Welcome to Hash Growth Maestros. In this special series of podcasts, we'll be talking to marketing leaders and industry experts about the importance of data in framing effective and successful campaigns. We'll also be providing you with trends and actionable strategies you can implement while framing your festive season campaigns. Welcome to Hash Growth Maestros. I'm your host Rajeshi and we have got a very special episode lined up for you today. It's beginning to feel a lot like festivities with the holiday season around the corner for most geographies. So we thought, why not catch up with an expert and discuss what the holiday season 2021 looks like for the brands and app owners across different verticals? What are the key lessons to be learned and share some actionable insights with you, our listeners? Without any further ado, let me introduce today's guest, Mr. Rajesh Pantina, Director of Marketing of Asia Pacific at InMovie. Welcome to the podcast, Rajesh. How are you doing? Hey, Rajesh, excited to be on this podcast. I'm good. How are you? Great, great. Absolutely great here as well. It's lovely to have you on the podcast, Rajesh, and uh, we'll be covering a lot of use cases today. And um, from what I can see that you have, uh, you know, entered a lot of insights, which will be really, really relevant and useful for our audiences. Uh, So without any further ado, let's begin. Um, Why don't you give us a brief overview of your work experience so far? What does your day-to-day look like at InMobi? And share any interesting use case with our listeners. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I began my career as usual, like, uh, you know, an engineer, I was an SAP consultant at an IT service firm called Wipro. Um, from that, I slowly moved into a bunch of cross-functional pieces, which was including a pre-sales, sales, uh, knowledge management, and then account management. Um, and then I completed my MBA from ISB Hyderabad and uh, immediately after that, I joined uh, Inmobi, and uh, that's been my marketing journey so far. Uh, all the marketing that I've learned has been here, um, and especially both B2B and B2C, because Inmobi is in such a unique position of building great B2C technologies, but the marketing for it has to be all B2B. And so um, at Inmobi, in the past five and a half years, what I've actually been able to do is um, look at first up the product marketing um, for our performance and monetization solutions, Uh, then actually build the India marketing uh, team from grounds up. Uh, This was back in 2018. And then, uh, you know, in 2019, and I basically took up the APAC charter um, and now still learning the ropes of it all and really enjoying the experience I've had so far. That's great. That's great, Rajesh. In terms of uh, your trajectory so far, how you have handled and moved on to things. Uh, so is there any interesting use case uh, from your experience so far in terms of marketing or in terms of advertising that you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I think one very big uh, use case or one very big learning is that uh, conventionally when it comes to B2B marketing, I think people tend to think of it as very either say um, you know sluggish, uh, very boring, uh, very uninteresting in that sense. Uh, but I do see that all aspects of B2C, um, where in the larger buckets of maybe it is branding or performance, where you really you know want to think of performance as always on, and you want to be you know in the um, domain of basically making sure that you're driving leads, marketing is a um, revenue generation engine as well, so on and so forth. So all of them apply. At the same time, in B2B marketing, you have your usual um, you know channels which basically people tend to do like events, uh, social media, all those pieces. But then uh, there are a lot of out of the box ways 
in which people can actually leverage PR to very good value. People can actually leverage uh, a bunch of social media, both on the paid and organic front to very good, um, you know, effect, so on and so forth. And so all of those I feel is just that uh, there is a lot of uh, maybe, you know, uh, orthodox thinking out there in B2B and uh, uh, that probably uh, has got to change. And that's really been my learning that uh, there's a lot of similarities between B2C and B2B. And uh, only if you apply is when you start seeing a lot of that, um, you know, in your own uh, marketing practice. Absolutely, absolutely. Completely agreed. Actually, I, I I started my career with a B2C brand as well, and then moved into a B2B uh, very SaaS offering. So I can completely understand and relate to the sentiment, you know, uh, that uh, B2B is seen as more of, a, um, of, an, of an old school or rather limited set of experimentation, like you mentioned. But yeah, things are changing very quickly across uh, both the B2C and B2B markets. And um, I think there's quite a lot to learn from each other as well. Um, in, in terms of uh, in terms of social media mix and in terms of um, what strategies can be implemented, we'll cover some of that, especially related to the holiday season um, as as we proceed. Uh, but just a quick announcement before we begin: we'll shortly be releasing an ebook breaking down the holiday shopping trends for global marketers um, and global customers, along with expert insights and actionable takeaways from brands to implement uh, for this holiday season 2021. So stay tuned for that. Um, all right, so um, Rajesh, let's dive right into it and uh, let's begin with the first question which is very related to the holiday season 2020, right, which was a very unusual one with an increase in captive audiences across apps of various industries. So with the festive season 2021, which is almost here, uh, let's discuss how things have changed. According to your 2020 festive season guide for in-app marketers, you identified a couple of segments like uh, shopping, payments, entertainment, real money gaming as the categories likely to see high installs. So does that remain the same for 2021 and which categories can expect uh, higher adoption or usage, especially for the APAC region? And I, I think that's a great question because uh, just a bit of like, you know, taking a step back and looking back into the past six months, what we've actually seen is that the entire pandemic has actually, uh, you know, made one big effect on the in-app ecosystem, which is, it's just booming. It's right. booming like it has never before. Um, India at the start of basically uh, this year, accounted for 14% of global app installs, which is only second to China, right? And that really goes to show that everything is really happening on apps. Absolutely. Now, in addition, what also happened was basically 100 million new internet users were added to the entire ecosystem, which meant that there, were, there was, you know, a lot more first-time kind of internet users, first-time app users uh, that were coming into the fray as well, right? Now, one of the key pieces over here to note is the fact that apps earlier were probably, and even if it was like three, four years ago, and we would be having this conversation, we would have still said, it's probably a more metro phenomenon. It's probably a more elite phenomenon in that sense. Right. Um, but right now it's so pervasive that, you know, I mean, you go to a cobbler and he's accepting payments on an app, <laughs> right? Right. And, Exactly. And you see the government, it's basically doing all its initiatives of getting people to understand about COVID, of people really trying to understand how their communities are in terms of the health and how they can get their vaccinations all on apps. And so that 
in itself goes to show the all pervasive nature of apps right now now just you know looking at who were the top gainers in terms of this right particular uh, uh, effect of the pandemic was of course the you know shopping category in itself uh, basically gained a lot uh, of course the initial phase of april to june when there was the lockdown everybody was equally hit all supply chain was hit but a bunch of folks actually just bounced back especially the m commerce and then the hyper local wherein food delivery was something that really gained health services be it you know online consultations or even like you know pharmacy so on and so deliveries all of them really gained in right. addition with schools shutting down crypto investments had you take these all really gained and entertainment then at the end of it all kind of reigned supreme with very new players gaming became one of the new faces of entertainment uh, short form videos really came to become the new kind of social media and then of course ott was basically really changing how people looked at appointment based viewing okay. now therefore what we see in terms of these kind of forces carrying forward into the festive season there are two ways we can look at it one is in terms of adoption itself right and like i was mentioning with a lot of newer people um coming into basically using internet for the first time using apps for the first time the m commerce and hyper local genres will actually really grow and we've seen a lot of brands uh, right be it flipkart be it basically swiggy etc talk about how their tier 2 markets have really grown and they have started to focus on a lot of tier 2 non urban kind of markets so in terms of adoption we'll actually see a lot of growth in terms of new users from the non urban regions more in terms of urban what we'll see is a huge huge surge in the fintech and entertainment categories wherein fintech i'm sure you guys uh, you know day in day out would be seeing a bunch of crypto related ads you would be right. seeing a bunch of ads around uh, you know health insurance life insurance so on and so forth and all of these being very very focused on tier 1 audiences you will actually see a huge huge adoption of a bunch of these apps and undoubtedly with the buying power for ott etc really concentrated more on urban there is of course a bunch of non urban guys uh, especially with the mobile packs available as well but you'll see a majority of really adoption coming in um, you know more to the urban regions on this front the other bit when it comes to usage i would say is that undoubtedly of course shopping will continue to basically remain really really paramount um you see now how even say an amazon is going you know all uh, uh, you know all guns blazing on the branding front uh, trying to put itself across tv across mobile and a bunch of places to just ensure that uh, urban non urban whoever it is those guys are really understanding what the new sales are about understanding what offers are available right so usage across shopping will definitely be uh, surging and then the associated industries right where it's payments right where it is probably a bunch of uh, uh, say you know other kind of pieces associated with it will definitely also surge uh, but what we'll also see around the festive season uh, which i'm very very bullish upon is the fact that uh, there will be a huge huge ott and real money surge now ott primarily because of the reason that there will be so many festive launches and we all know how bhai loves to release everything around him 
and so there is definitely you know a chance of a bunch of big big releases happening across and right. a lot of it will definitely move towards ott given how uh, you know there is basically the threat of the third wave and there is a lot of money at stake on the producers end as well right even across languages right now uh, you would be very very shocked to see that uh, there is a south indian um, ott platform called aha it's a telugu focused platform right. and it's one of the biggest platforms out there in terms of the unique users itself and so all of these are really really gaining and there will be lot more of this as uh, it becomes one of the main ways for people to actually catch their favorite stars on you know the big screens of sorts um the other bit real money uh, is something that again i'm bullish about is the fact that um a lot of people have actually looked at this conventionally as you know the get together pieces and really uh one of the ways of actually uh, you know enjoying parties enjoying get togethers and this in terms of apps will actually provide them a great way of course the casual gaming and short form videos with all the content and with all the kind of uh, relaxation that it provides will definitely continue to grow in terms of usage absolutely absolutely i i think completely agreed and we'll uh, we'll discuss about the localization aspect of it a little later um, and and the point that you bring up about the audiences being split into the non urban and urban and across different categories right that that completely makes sense um also in terms of um, in terms of the ott and real money insights that you mentioned um of course with the like you correctly mentioned in terms of third wave kind of approaching and um, i've been reading some art- articles of it you know previously it was the third wave might not hit uh, because of vaccination efforts but it seems imminent now um and uh, with that how do you think the uh, mobility sector is faring do you think that uh, with the festive season coming in people visiting um, their uh, relatives or you know um, going out and having a nice time out um, uh, especially the vaccinated people uh, so how do you see the mobility sector uh, working out like um, is uh, is there genuine demand for people you know um, booking cabs or you know taking the solo solo rides um, or or uh, the, the likes of ulos or the likes of uh, ola ola bikes or all of these taxi cab sort of bikes uh, situation how how is that working out yeah i mean uh, overall i mean while i wouldn't have a statistically sound answer more anecdotally mm-hmm. what i have seen at least is the fact that uh, um, people are back on the roads in that sense and they are definitely taking a bunch of these uh, options but i think the more um, uh, you know people are actually educated aware about uh, covid and basically ways to prevent it Uh, i think there is actually a shift towards uh, autos uh, in the mobility sector people are really actually um, preferring to have you know more uh, open air non air conditioned kind of uh, services in that sense and therefore i think cabs are uh, probably seeing a slighter uh, slightly you know lower demand in that sense uh, but you know just in terms of the overall uh, uh, picture i feel that um, people will definitely Uh, do one of two things one is that uh, there will be a lot of outstation uh, mobility right in that sense that people um, might not really want to linger um, you know within cities within crowds etc and so there will be definitely a good amount of exodus in that sense of people moving to uh, a lot of staycation workation kind of concepts and that's the next big thing that's happening in the travel sector the other aspect is also that with a lot of municipal corporations and with a lot of uh, cities actually doing bunch of clamp downs on 
also what kind of you know say working areas or the tech parks are basically allowed how many people are allowed um i see that there will be a kind of steady demand it wouldn't be a huge surge but there'll be a slightly steady demand in terms of uh, the office spaces and daily commutes uh, it wouldn't be that uh, big is what i feel makes sense makes sense also um uh, what are your thoughts on the the, the sort of um, categories you know like uh, automotive or uh, jewelry for example like a lot of lot of people in the um, across different regions right not just apac region uh, especially in the european countries as well as the north american markets uh, there has been a lingering uh, fear in the sense that there is an economic uncertainty with a lot of people losing their jobs towards the peak of the pandemic last year so uh, do you think that value consciousness or the frugality mindset will uh, drive these sort of uh, trends towards maybe not buying enough jewelry or automotives during the festive season because that is when most of these um, industries you know come into their own right like for example festive season discount on cars on uh, on jewelry on 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 sort of durable so what are your thoughts around that yeah i think it's a great question right because if you look at it overall um, the time frame uh, for when people would have last really spent a lot around a festive season was 2 years ago i mean around 2 years ago right and that's where you see that last year the festive season did come around it, there was a kind of resurgence but i think the main issue around there was a lot of these categories for instance jewelry or auto etc weren't really prepared in terms of the hygiene the safety there were a lot of concerns around that and at the same time a lot many were not really digitally mature enough to actually help with the experiences that people wanted people might have wanted to actually have a certain kind of request some sort of information being provided online before they land some sort of slot booking so a lot of that was something that wasn't there and therefore really lost out on that right now therefore everything that ended up being you know uh, as a basically spend was more in the lower ticket size or mid ticket size so there wasn't really something big now however in the past i think uh, you know 6 uh, months except for the april may phase uh, we did see that people really were planning people were really looking at a bunch of big spends and i think this festive season is the right time around when automotive jewelry all of them will see a huge resurgence and also will see consumers actually uh, meeting sorry the brands meeting whatever demand the consumers will come up with absolutely i think that's great news and if our listeners um, today uh, belong to any of these um, categories of verticals i think that's uh, extra good news for all of you guys uh, especially ahead of the festive season um, thanks thanks for that insightful answer rajesh uh, moving on you know in terms of inap metrics uh, your research from 2020 indicated about 25% to 30% growth in installs with around 16% growth in app opens and another 18% increase in transactions so how do these numbers look a year later and what changes do you see in terms of engagement is there any growth to be observed here yeah yeah definitely and uh... it's all only going north right uh, because if we look at um, overall how indians spend time on smartphones we really lead the pack in terms of the overall time spent and um, smartphone definitely is the primary screen and with a 4 4.5 hours there are two key aspects uh, that will definitely continue to um, only grow in the upcoming festive season the first bit being the idea of engagement right and are uh, taking a couple of say category examples for instance 
um, something like gaming, uh, which was considered uh, definitely not mainstream, but also very obscure and just thought of as um, something that young men play at the end of the day with their consoles or on their uh, high, you know, capacity uh, desktops. Right. Uh, today, mobile has democratized it so much that we've really seen a bunch of moms uh, really enjoy a lot of casual games right, uh, right out there. Um, and a lot of older people have also taken to games uh, and then that too, again, a bunch of games which have social features, so on and so forth. Um, so much so that um, in a survey that we conducted in Feb, we found that uh, almost 80% of all mobile smartphone gamers are committed gamers in the sense that they play once or more a day, which mm -hmm. is huge, right? right? And when we asked them why, uh, they really called out the fact that they think of this as relaxation or entertainment, right? And they do it in snacking or snackable time period. So every morning, maybe they're spending some time, they're taking a break in the afternoon, spending some time, and they're actually dedicating time for this bit. The second piece example that is clearly talking in terms of engagement is, uh, especially among women, um, we've seen that the appointment-based TV viewing has completely, you know, kind of uh, been disrupted by OTT. Um, also, it's definitely a, you know, consequence of the issue that everybody's working from home. A lot of senior people, a lot of children are at home and that has increased the workload um, on an average uh, in India for women. And that means that they do not get to actually do their pieces when they want. And that's where OTT has come as a rescue. And especially these women are actually watching a lot of regional OTT on top of that or regional um, content on maybe say a YouTube, et cetera. And so that's where entertainment or larger engagement has really, really gone up. And that's only going to go up, like I was mentioning, with all the content, with all the releases and diversity of content that's going to be available. Right. Absolutely. I think just to add to that, um, I can completely relate to the sentiment that people working from home and that has definitely changed some of the viewing habits. Um, uh, if I had to take my use case here, uh, it would be, you know, I am generally on my phone or, uh, or, or, you know, plug something on the TV from Netflix or Amazon Prime. So my mom generally likes to watch the, um, the, the usual regional uh, TV series, right, in Bengali. Uh, but, but what has happened is that has slightly shifted because me watching something and then she'll come and sit and she'll ask you know what's happening what's this tv series about so on and so forth so that that definitely has changed and uh, yeah that's like a small use case which might not be uh, extrapolated for the larger audience but uh, absolutely completely agreed with you there also like you mentioned in the previous question the uh, in the previous answer you know um, the the emergence of the regional ott channels like for example aha that you mentioned there is something called hoi uh, choi which i'm not sure if you're aware it's uh, like a big I'm completely aware yeah Right, right, right. So Bengali, Bengali based ODT, and that also is growing like anything, like in, in terms of the projected numbers. So definitely, definitely. Um, awesome. Yeah, Rajesh, back to your answer. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, like you mentioned, right, so that's definitely on the engagement part of it. But there is also the idea of transactions and holidays all about that. Um, people, uh, you know, actually trying to look at um how much they can negotiate, how much can they basically bargain and get. And in the virtual you know, space, the biggest chance they get is actually with all the sales, right? And one of the biggest things that has actually happened is just all these sales that are happening. So in India, 
for instance in the past i think 3 years um overall there would be probably i think um, back in 2017 maybe there were three sales or two sales happening in the entire period or duration of that particular uh, two and a half three months right. now there are probably like six to seven sales happening just by the big brands right every two weeks every third week there is a sale and then there are so many other platforms at the same time who are hosting these sales similarly in indonesia there was basically of course the idea of a single stay double stay very similar to the chinese uh, um, you know e-commerce environment but there is something very unique called harborlas that was built by lazada pioneered by lazada and basically that's you know something that's big now similar pieces are actually being put forward by otokopedia shopee so on and so forth and in australia again um amazon of course uh, with its you know black friday sales all of that it is really really again gearing up to do a lot more right and, and so across the board the expectation for consumers is that there are going to be mega sales and that's their big place to really do the bargaining because innately everybody loves to do that bargaining everybody loves to do that holiday shopping and this is something that is providing them uh, the opportunity right um however in terms of how we can actually look at what kind of categories will really pick up versus what kind of categories might see a slightly you know um muted uh, say festive season uh, broadly i would say the high frequency transaction um you know uh, pieces like say real money gaming uh, uh, groceries food delivery payments these will definitely continue to see a lot Uh, because people you know starting in fact last week where we had uh, in the south we had uh, south of india we had a huge huge uh, festival um, right uh, every third week every fourth week there basically is uh, a milestone in terms of a festival and so that will continue to actually build up um in terms of the low frequency transaction pieces like apparel jewelry automotives um investment financial investments etc we might see them more happening across one or two instances right during the period and so um they might have just that one chance to make it really big uh, through the uh, through the season yeah absolutely absolutely i think especially the point that you brought in um, um more than just the big uh, big big industries or the big e-commerce players uh, you know uh, uh, bringing in the different sale periods like you mentioned harbona so national shopping day uh, um, in, in indonesia and vietnam um, especially uh, re- really really add to the add to the market demand plus um, you know something that people can look forward to and also your point about you know gen x and gen z uh, uh, not just the gen z and the millennials but also the older people coming into the fold for this uh, festive season all makes sense uh, rajesh um, you know one one more thing that i wanted to discuss again this is something takes back to the first question itself which is you know around uh, more new users coming in like you as well mentioned first time shoppers uh, for example so according to the 2020 festive season data close to 40% of first time shoppers hailed from tier 2 and tier 3 cities right a uh, year on is there any significant change to this data point and how can marketers cater to these audiences from the tier 2 and tier 3 segments um, in terms of localization in terms of vernacular communication um, is is that the need of the r in order to drive adoption and usage uh, among this demographic definitely great question uh, rajeshri and uh, the reason why i say that is because uh, Uh, so firstly when we had done this research right uh, we done it in i think september last year or august last year and a bunch of guys had mentioned that right in the past 6 months um, 
they were actually doing online shopping for the first time and we were doing this across 33 cities in uh, india right uh, and uh, again a bunch of cities in indonesia as well um, and even in australia right we did see that a lot of people just talked about the fact that um, there are a lot of uh, people who are doing it for the first time mm-hmm. now what came in as a very very um, uh, you know great insight for us was the fact that immediately say you know during the second wave when there were the lockdowns impl- um, imposed again right. we saw that a lot of people and i personally observed this was for instance say hyper local uh, there is this app called big basket which is very famous in right. some of the metros in india right. and what we basically found was the fact that the demand had surged so much that they had to implement a token system just to be able to meet that demand right right and that clearly showed the fact that while there were a whole set of people who had come on board in the first 6 months of the pandemic there were equally a lot more who were now coming into the fold um in the you know later waves as well and that basically just goes to show that there are more and more people who are now actually because of the fact that they understand how um you know really critical it is to just stay at home how critical it is to basically make sure that they are limiting their movement but then at the same time because of the issue of staying indoors and people really having that sentiment of really not being able to you know socialize having that very innate human instincts of actually trying to meet people going out um, etc not being able to meet that and then ultimately looking at the convenience factor of being able to um use apps and using them to good effect for instance food delivery for instance groceries right all of them are really really picking up and that's where a lot of people are now ultimately just first instinct is to either search for the on the web or on the app store for an app that can solve for some of their needs right and that's something that has become the first moment of truth for anybody when it comes to a brand right. now therefore the ultimate idea is that hyper local is key right and local was probably key at one point in time but hyper local is key right now and we have seen that clearly whenever it comes to any brand that is doing what they have to do in terms of uh, the localization and hyper localization they are really really reaping the benefits of it and one such uh, case study i remember is actually um india bulls uh, dhani which is basically uh, you know an online loan uh, uh, loaning app and what it basically did very very uniquely was that it had a strong insight of saying that people are tired of the process of going and submitting pieces in a bank office or in a particular branch and at the same time people are very apprehensive of going to all these crowds so they just ended up making a very simple three step process of saying you just need to do abc and you will end up you know being in or added to the queue of loan processing and that really um, you know of course worked wonders in just in terms of the offering but what they also did was in addition to make sure that they used um, you know tamil to actually speak to uh, the state of tamil nadu telugu to speak to the state of andhra and telangana yeah. right so that really uh made sure it made a huge difference because because a lot of guys when they think about um you know loans when they think about the fact that 
they have to actually um, take you know borrow money uh, it really creates a, creates a huge barrier and if it's uh, their own native language wherein it's communicated it it actually um, you know crosses that hurdle in a very very uh, basic fashion and that really was one of the biggest impacts we've seen and undoubtedly um, be it india southeast asia wherever if there is an opportunity to localize and hyper localize um, there is basically uh, you know that much more uh, return on ad spend that you will get absolutely i think brilliantly illustrated there with your answer rajesh in terms of uh, the importance of hyper local going hyper local and uh, vernacular in your communication um, so as a follow up i just wanted to understand how this data point of first time shoppers changes according to the geography right so far we have discussed about india and uh, what it means for the hyper local uh, deliveries uh, within india in the uh, within the metros or the tier tier 1 and tier 2 cities so how does that uh, how does that statistic of first time shoppers change according to the geography especially for the southeast asia or the sea and the eu region yeah definitely uh, no i think uh, in terms of southeast asia overall as a market uh, it definitely is very high on the mobile index uh, in terms of just adoption of smartphones adoption of mobiles mm-hmm. um, because uh, if we look at the average mobility index over there uh, we see that 70% is what it is for southeast asia meaning 7 in 10 actually own a smartphone and use a smartphone yeah. and then out of those people 90% actually use their smartphone to access the internet so that's a very very strong number in terms of just the uh, you know number of people who are comfortable with mobile and therefore using internet on mobile the however unique thing over there is the fact that um, that entire region is almost like the region of uh, you know super apps and people are very very used to the idea of basically using one app or just you know a bunch of say five six apps for getting almost all their services done right one big example is gojek in itself in uh, indonesia where uh, if you want to basically get food delivered you have a gojek if you want to basically get a ride from your place to your office there is a gojek if you want to get some sort of a home cleaning Uh, service done there is gojek and so on and so forth right and therefore the inclination the proclivity and also um, just the kind of uh, um, you know their their usage is very much uh, you know mobile first app first and there i think it's more probably the tier 2 tier 3 kind of cities which are adding new shoppers Um, but uh, a lot of i think uh, you know the population is already very comfortable um, with mobile and internet um, however in australia where we would definitely you know think of it as a very advanced market um, overall right and very similar to north america right. uh, it is very peculiar that we would find uh, you know it is very limited in terms of mobile commerce and app commerce uh, because innately australian market um, you know with the with not so much you know issues of say population crowds so on and so forth uh, they do have um, you know a lot of retail space they do have people uh, naturally going and gravitating towards visiting retail stores uh, shopping uh, in person so on and so forth and that is something that uh, you know really sets it apart in the entire region however 
what is uh, really really changing right now is the fact that sydney melbourne a lot of these major cities going into multiple lockdowns in the past 4 to 5 months right. has really just uh, you know made it um, you know difficult for people to actually go out uh, go about their business like they would uh, conventionally and therefore um, the coming holiday season will definitely be very mobile very app first absolutely i think really create insights there rajesh especially in terms of the use case of australian region um, and also the whole uh, super app sort of category like gojek example that you took i think uh, that really adds to the conversation here especially with uh, all the discussion around the horizontal versus you know vertical sort of approach to expansion with super apps you know creating new new categories um, and providing offerings in all of these different categories rather than focusing on one uh, which is which is what we have mostly observed in the developed markets of north america and europe um so i think this really adds to the adds to the conversation there rajesh uh, now let's take a look at some of the uh, some of the ad side of things right in terms of how you can engage customers using your ads during this very festive season which mostly brings in a lot of revenue for a lot of different brands across verticals and regions so one of the key ways to capture purchase intent and drive consideration um due, especially during this festive season uh, is is shoppable ads right so how how do you think brands can le- effectively leverage these shoppable ads to influence online purchase and in store footfall definitely rajesh and some very interesting pieces over there right so um back in i think june uh, where uh, you know a lot of people were contemplating how to get back uh, you know uh, things to get back to normal in terms of supply chain in terms of um, just making sure that demand is met in, in terms of also making sure that uh, the brands are where the demand is uh, which is online and mobile um, a lot of people were actually contemplating you know ideas of what would be the best ways and clearly what emerged were two things one is that there is a thriving you know online marketplace option wherein whatever category you fit into you basically choose that kind of a marketplace and make sure that you are building connections that way the second bit was to say that i probably open my own d2c channel and i either launch a mobile website or a mobile app and make sure that i'm sustaining things right now we saw actually brands doing both right and the best part is that overall across the region um, in terms of when you look at the entire customer journey right there are three important phases one is there is learn where people really want to you know just look at and say and taking the holiday shopping season um, or keeping that in mind we the learn phase would be to ideally say what are sales that are happening where are these sales happening so on and so forth so just the first thing is to just learn right mm-hmm. the second thing is to explore as to okay now what are the discounts that are actually out there what are the discounts on which brand so on and so forth and ultimately making a decision to buy right now what really has uh, you know happened is the fact that people are eventually just learning and starting to learn every time on their mobile right be it search be it in terms of any display ad that they see or be it in terms of any kind of uh, you know scrolling that they do and they kind of end up looking at something that learning is primarily starting on mobile right, right. and so the mobile has become that kind of a channel to learn explore and buy and now what is also possible is that with mobile 
if somebody is able to actually give out a way to learn explore by in a very seamless fashion that really just crunches the entire funnel of saying that oh somebody reads about you somebody probably might later explore stuff and understand more about your product and then later on buy all of that can happen together one great example is the fact that in india mondley of course very famous and that's right. one name that uh, you know uh, thank god we didn't commit blasphemy and not you know exclude them from our conversation today right holiday yeah. season and mondley just go hand in hand and so what mondley did last year was they were entering this uh, you know segment of um, chocolate bake baking foods and so they launched something known as choco bakes uh, and that was against you know uh, one of the other big you know cpg companies and uh, they had actually gotten this partnership done to be available on e-commerce marketplaces right the biggest ones now however what was really uh, important for them was to say i just don't want people to look at my ad and say oh wow this is an amazingly yummy product but i want them to you know just take that impulsive action because there is the impulse that you can capture on that's developed as a part of watching the video of how choco bakes is made right, right. and so they would serve the video ad and that would actually the video would only be served when people did a certain kind of interaction with the ad unit so there was an interaction then there was a video which showed how the yummy uh, product was made and then as the video is being served there was basically a carousel where they could actually look at all the stock keeping units itself and the packaging and the feel of it all so that people really immediately whatever aspects in their moments of truth right as to um, is it a matte finish is it basically the kind of color that immediately appeals to their impulses so on and so forth all of that could come into play and ultimately if they chose to and they were really taken in they could click and they could just complete the purchase within the ad unit it's also not taking them outside the ad so that's what is the beauty of shoppable ads right and that's something that is a very very easy integration even from a technology standpoint that's right. possible today and um, irrespective of it being search or otherwise display video it is possible to do that and that i think is one of the biggest uh, and safest bets that any any brand uh, can take during the holiday season absolutely absolutely i think um, and and perfectly encapsulated the entire uh, you know experience of a shoppable ad and how you can leverage it uh, especially with the mondelez example like you mentioned um, so I think this will be really, really useful for all the people who are listening in today, and um, they can go home and leverage some of it. You know, very actionable insight there, Rajesh. I have to say. Uh, moving on, um, you know, during the last holiday season, we noticed new entrants to the online space, right? In the form of uh, offline or largely offline or predominantly brick and mortar stores moving uh, to the online space. So the digital transformation in the face of the pandemic drove this movement to the online channels, uh, which ultimately meant increased competition for ads, um, as 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 it would be logical, right? So how did you how do you think this affected the acquisition cost um, in the last festive season, and how has that changed for this upcoming holiday season? Uh, it it would be great if you could like add some data points just to illustrate your answer better, or just to explain what does the landscape look like. yeah that's really a great question rajesh because i think while we are talking a lot about consumer trends what right. really would also help marketers is to just understand what happens to them 
in terms of their basic costs right and right. um therefore i think see we probably need to take a step back and look at what happened during this entire time right so just going back to the point in april where almost a kind of global lockdown had kind of ensued was the fact that there was a drastic drop in overall spending right from april through june right and that just meant that you know people were unsure as to what to do and the prices overall especially on digital as well had dropped and it was very very low now last year however there was some sort of positive signs the festive season seemed you know something that was slightly under control there were not all these variants uh, back then and that however there was a very very clear um what is a situation that arose out of it which was to say that for instance in india only digital saw a very very strong growth right mm-hmm. and rest everybody saw either a degrowth or very slight you know slight growth in that sense mm-hmm. and then digital really became the second biggest channel in terms of ad spends overall now that meant that be it india which was say 55% of all digital ad spends was mobile in southeast asia it, it is actually around the 70% range and in australia it's actually around the 75% range right. so all right. of these became the only avenues for people to really advertise and that's where a lot of people rushed into right to actually get their ads done and you would have seen a bunch of uh, ads which you conventionally wouldn't associate or wouldn't you know be seeing out there on those platforms right. you're seeing a bunch of these ads right and the idea was it was really like you know low prices that were there um, because of either muted demand etc but it was still not to back you know uh, back to its pre pandemic levels mm-hmm. now however this year early like you know feb march uh, times was when we'd seen early signs of a lot of prices going back to pre pandemic levels um but in some of the unique uh, you know uh, pieces that are very very unique to uh, apac was the fact that um, something like india and southeast asia which are uh, huge growth markets we were really adding a bunch of new uh, smartphone users internet users every year right and so that happened at a very very accelerated rate last year uh, which meant that there were so many new users in hundreds of millions and then therefore associated inventory was definitely in the billions right? right now at the same time what also happened was the fact that now media time was being spent on a lot of newer apps like i was mentioning gaming became one of those big ones short form video ott all of these became the places where people were moving and especially uh, today for instance i don't really go to facebook anymore it's probably reels or it's roposo one of those kind of apps right and a lot of tier 2 guys are actually coming to the content wave through a bunch of these short form video apps so on and right. so forth right. right and so media time really got distributed across a bunch of apps now what happened outside of these walled gardens therefore was that the entire programmatic ecosystem with its diversity and scale was able to ensure that the competition really did not severely impact costs for advertisers right unlike a facebook or youtube in fact um, today you would see that uh, the costs have gone up year on year and of course i mean that was a huge plummet that happened but costs have really gone up year on year because um, the number of people again that unique reach etc is kind of getting limited with these uh, sets of platforms whereas a lot of new platforms 
are taking up the share of um uh, yeah the share of basically media time spent right? right and ultimately one key aspect to look at is also the demand has become very diverse in the sense that a lot of say big app brands right uh, say a flipkart etc they have really gone into the more branding kind of zone instead of doing a very say download the app kind of ads right. or they are also targeting a lot of tier 2 uh, cities a tier 3 city to actually talk about how you can download the app and actually you know shop online so on and so forth so their focus has completely shifted in terms of the audience whereas a lot of new apps like crypto apps for instance are just for that they're probably more for the nccsa kind of audiences in india for instance and so their audience is very different so again i would say that in the programmatic ecosystem that kind of a balance is uh, always remained and um, especially india and southeast asia being the growth markets that they are uh, there is always a lot of um, you know competition that's been there and the market basically holds the prices where they are so uh, that's something that we'll continue to see even now really great insights there uh, rajesh i think um, especially the the point about like the 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 growth that we have seen or rather um, the movement or the shift that we have seen from the last year where you know it was it was uh, a lot of digital ad spends um, in terms of especially for the indian and the southeast asian markets like you mentioned the growth markets and how they have changed uh, in 2021 and what it looks like uh, for the overall uh, brands which are going for you know uh, going for the festive season in terms of running ads so as as a follow up to that um, just like you mentioned you know the different uh, the different cost per acquisition and how it is affected across those regions what are your recommendations for brands that are running ads uh, during the festive season um, how much of a detailed planning do you think it takes in advance uh, because Uh, recently i have spoken to a couple of people and they mentioned that even before um, you know even before august hits some of the brands are already you know have their uh, assets prepared and they are running a by b tests to ensure which one works the best and uh, and then targeting people accordingly or targeting customers or consumers or would be prospects accordingly so for the brands which are already a little late and don't have the time to test their ad creatives or copies or what have you right what do you suggest for them is there a quick fix is there really a quick fix uh, that can be implemented and um, and and what is the importance of being of having or creating rather a data driven engagement um, in 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 this uh, in the sort of ad creations right or in the sort of uh, copy creations yeah i think yeah, that's the next step right like if uh, people are taking to digital however they need to plan their stuff and uh, right. there i think um, uh, i mean there is no basically you know better answer than saying that you definitely need to be planned but i think some context that every brand really needs to look at today um is the fact that uh, i think we've been doing this for the fourth or fifth straight year in terms of the festive season uh, report and what we had found right for instance in india and even in uh, southeast asia around ramadan and that again carries over for the rest of the year as well is the fact that um in 2017 18 we would actually see about two thirds of the people really thinking of it as a planned affair so everybody would have uh, set aside their monies for the festive season they would actually be thinking a lot about what all would they like to spend on so on and so forth and uh, probably yeah i mean a lot of um, uh, spends would be happening uh, on the retail not probably definitely a lot of spends would be happening on the retail or in store front as well right? right now cut to today and just as you know as much as last year we basically 
saw that it's completely just shifted uh, where two thirds of the people are looking at everything in terms of an non-planned or unplanned kind of buys, and that has not just limited itself to the low-ticket items where you know, for instance, you can say, oh, it's only limited to something which is more like gifting. It's more limited to consumer electronics, um, right? And that is not our apparel, for instance. But what has happened is that people have now started looking at low ticket to medium ticket um, kind of items as well in the entire unplanned bucket, right? And it has now extended to consumer durables, appliances, a bunch of things that really wouldn't have been thought of being bought online. So I would split it in two ways and say that one thing is the consumers are actually looking at even like low to medium and almost medium, you know, slightly medium high kind of ticket sizes also being bought online, even, yeah, for instance, the um, say furniture, so on and so forth is also something that they're thinking of buying online and they're waiting for the holiday season to actually complete those kind of buys, right? right? And at the same time, they do not really have an idea of what brand or what is it? Do I need a sofa? Do I need a couch? What do I need? They are not really hell-bent on anything. Right. That really goes to show that there is a lot of scope for just influencing people around the festive season, right? During the whole period, right? So that's the first bit. And the primary reason behind all of this is just the fact that there is, of course, increasing access, right? Like we were talking about it. A lot of people now knowing that apps work, knowing that apps are convenient, and then the changing demographics itself, a lot of younger people going back to their towns during, like, say, the second wave, the previous waves, right. and just educating, like, their parents, their, you know, relatives about, hey, this is available online. I don't know why you're going through this whole, you know, a routine of planning for everything, right. setting aside the weekend, setting aside a particular time during the week, so on and so forth. None of that is happening, right? And then ultimately, there is a growing comfort with the channel that it is safe. You know, there is no issue with payments. There is no issue with basically, you know, return of money. There is no issue with quality, so on and so forth, right? So there is a lot of comfort that's developed around all of these channels that's right. also expanding the categories that people want to buy. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what this really means for brands is basically three big things, right? So one is the consideration and decision-making cycles are shorter across categories for consumers. And therefore, what people really need to do, like I was mentioning, was look at basically definitely doing their branding pieces like they do talk about the sale, etc. But also see how they can make sure that they can capture any of the actions that people might take using interactivity of mobile. Right. And using whatever possible means to actually make sure that if they are doing something which is more on the brand awareness branding side, they see how they can either retarget to follow it up with some sort of a, you know, CTA, which says buy now, learn more, so on and so forth. Or at the same time, if there is some immediate action generated as a consequence of the branding ad, capture that using maybe shopping ads, uh, online to offline pieces, so on and so forth. Right. The second bit is that mobile presence can never be an afterthought. Like I was mentioning, if people are not really, you know, aware that consumers are starting to search on their mobiles, consumers are starting to learn, explore on their mobiles right now, it is very, very difficult, right, for uh, the brands to really make sure that they're capitalizing on any demand that they may generate. And that's where 
making sure that anything and everything it comes to owned, earned, and paid media, they're they're equally on mobile uh, as much as they are on the other channels that they deem fit. Right? It's not necessary that mobile is the only channel. They definitely would see a lot of economies of scale, a lot of combined effects, etc., through other channels. But the idea is that mobile is complementary as it's the most primary device. And so therefore learning, exploring and buying can really be assisted well using this. The other bit, however, is the fact, like I was mentioning that there has to be a lot of agility. There definitely needs to be planning, but there needs to be a lot of agility. And one of the biggest cases, for instance, I think right now uh, is probably also in the air is the fact that People might be thinking, when is the third wave coming? Has the second wave really ended? So on and so forth uh, in India, for instance. And that's why they wouldn't probably be ready with you know, what to say. Um, but what really would help is the fact that how early or how quickly can they actually adapt to the situation, move into either a purpose-driven marketing or move into a way of basically making sure that they are putting together a bunch of pieces, not just on the marketing, but also on the operational aspects, then make sure that the messaging, the creative, all of those are tweaked as soon as possible and put together to be reflective of the situation that is versus really seeming, uh, you know, tone deaf or really seeming like, uh, you know, they are not able to cope up. And if there was any opportunity that probably would have been created, that was just that just went unmet right so that's something that brands really really need to keep in mind and all of that will only come with a lot of education a lot of investment not just on the tech side but also people side absolutely absolutely i think one of the key takeaways that i can understand from here is to have rather um, a, a very omni-channel experience with uh, a mobile first sort of mindset and not just having it as a last resort or an afterthought like you mentioned um, and of course, the entire planning cycle, and like you correctly mentioned, the, the not being tone deaf with their communication. So I think that was one of the things that we were focusing very, uh, very heavily during the last season itself, because you know the the festive season came after a time when a lot of people lost their loved ones, lost their near and dear ones, and and there was a lot of uh, lot of this sentiment where you know. Uh, festivals can wait right uh, the, the world yeah. needs to get to a better place first so of course um, I, I think completely agreed in the sense that uh, you need to market or you need to uh, you need to create the sort of a combination strategy where it does not appear tone deaf like you mentioned very correctly put Rajesh uh, so how do you think brands can leverage this uh, consumer data that is uh, that is available through uh, through either their own platform or through you know different data sets third-party data sets and how do you think they can leverage this consumer data and, um, and and the different attributes to personalize the holiday campaigns right and uh, within that personalization right there's there's this uh, ongoing debate around uh, personalizing using data for actually personalizing and creating value adds versus mm -hmm. you know breaching the privacy of the state customer so how do you tread that thin line between these two definitely so i'll take the first one up and a couple of examples right how people can really personalize uh, uh, just extending the entire concept of hyperlocal um, into uh, you know this particular question, the idea of using location, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. What, for instance, we can do is to say that if we are probably you know talking about providing some sort of a festive season offers uh, to people in Sydney versus in Melbourne, um, you can really use the location um, to actually serve them very. 
you know dynamic creatives and say hey uh, sydney is uh, you know all about probably um, celebrating at a particular time of the year versus melbourne is probably about celebrating at another time of the year so you kind of tweak that right to make sure that your ad delivery is happening at different places secondly what can also happen is to say that um, within sydney if you're seeing that a lot of people are going to uh, you know high end malls or they are going to actually one of your uh, you know stores within a mall or your own own stores you can actually use um, location signals to serve them ads when they are in the vicinity right and make sure that you're directing them to walk into store or you're basically directing them to redeem the coupon when they are uh, almost at the store right or within the store so there are multiple use cases that you can actually um put together when it comes from a location standpoint to really enhance the experience right and one such example for instance that um, you know we have done is to say that we actually in uh, multiple places india southeast asia australia what we've done is a lot of people when say back when they were traveling we really made sure that as they land in the airport based on the airport we are able to actually give them uh, you know a kind of opportunity to look at uh, and this was a brand which was about uh, traveling it was about like you know uh, places where people could stay visit so on and so forth so immediately it would actually talk about hey best places to visit because you are in sydney best places to visit because you are in jakarta and then immediately give them the idea of hey visit our website and learn more and so that really or download our app and learn more and that really um, was one great application that we saw and worked wonders because uh people really loved the fact that they were getting something which was as relevant as it gets right now coming to the second aspect of it right which is to say how do you balance the idea of using data versus actually um you know uh ensuring the privacy of the individual right. now i think um, in in such cases the most important pov that matters is all about the consumers uh, and consumers alone right and there in um, what we have seen actually and uh, there is an independent study con uh, conducted by i think accenture uh, last year and even um, i think yougov this year uh, was to say that overall in apac um, the idea of a value exchange exists wherein 80% of consumers who were surveyed they basically felt that if a brand gives you know a certain kind of value mm -hmm. um, i would be ready to share my data right, right. Seventy uh, to eighty percent of them said that, and where that really comes into picture is also the context of how it is put together, right? Unlike a lot of ads where we are being shown that um, you know people are following you, people are actually stealing data from you, etc. Um, right. The true, you know, technology players, the true kind of uh, you know privacy first players, what they are actually being able to do is establish a great value exchange. For instance, today in your own uh you know say food delivery app, be it a doordash be it food panda be it zomato when you ask people you know to share location simply you would say no of course right. and you wouldn't allow them to share anything but as you basically look at the app and you say that hey here is the point when i can actually track where the delivery person is and which way they are coming through it really creates a lot of value because it reduces anxiety it helps people actually direct the rider well so right. on and so forth and that really makes the exchange 
very well placed in terms of the context of you know value and that's where there is basically the fact that consumers understand yes i would want to share my data right and the other aspect is also that in the open internet when you basically come to say a guardian or you basically go to any other website which says hey can you please pay you know can you are you okay watching ads you would say no mm-hmm. and then it says okay pay 10 dollars per month and then you would say i'd rather watch ads okay? <laughs> right and that's where i feel that see the idea is the open internet is free because of ads and it it will continue to remain free because of ads and overall the i think inclination towards generic ads versus personal ads is slightly debatable etc but overall whenever there are relevant ads there is always better reception and at the same time whenever those delivery of those ads the idea of using data for those ads is placed in the right context people will definitely share that and that's where like i was mentioning if a zomato then uses that location to actually then you know talk about the fact that hey in your locality uh, there is a new food festival there is a new food sale why don't you go ahead and buy something right. triggered as an in app notification or triggered as a paid ad it really creates a lot of value it really helps you do it and then of course there are um, other aspects which help determine how effective it is that's a later part like do you do it more in the evenings do you do it more around dinner time so on and so forth mm-hmm. but the fact is when you do it in that um, context it really really creates some very positive impact and that's how you actually just tend to debate right right absolutely i think completely agreed there um, especially with your point of creating value and creating and and identifying those in app moments where especially after someone has ordered a food uh, um, ordered something to eat right ordered a food item and then immediately after some time if they see that you know um, he, here is the um, uh, check out what, what what is there in your locality in terms of new new newly opened restaurants or food festivals like you mentioned and then if you ask for the location um, a location to be turned on that that makes perfect sense there also i have noticed is something uh, which is there on like zomato or swiggy whenever you are trying to open uh, whenever you open the app and you know go um, and and try to browse through the restaurants it it actually shows you you know um, turn on your notification to get even uh, sort turn on your gps notification you know in order to um, in order to get more exact or accurate matches so that that kind of makes sense uh, um, rajesh and thanks for tying all of these together um now now since we discussed uh, what um, brands could do in terms of their um, ad strategy for the holiday season and then we looked at how do you you know clearly draw a line between personalizing for actual value ads versus not breaching the privacy of the set customer so now it's time to look at uh, gathering these insights so gathering these uh, sort of behavioral trends from the customer end and uh, interestingly enough uh, inmobi you folks at inmobi have done a great job with your uh, inmobi pulse right uh, the consumer intelligence platform uh, so how do you think it fits into the whole framing the right holiday engagement campaign narrative definitely i think uh, you know very uh, critical at this point in time is the whole idea of consumer intelligence in itself because um conventionally you know what happens there are uh, two kinds of brands so the first brand is something which is um, very traditional and uh, you know they probably wouldn't have had a direct consumer connect or they have a lot of channel partners who then actually conventionally enable uh, their brand to be out there consumed etc um and then they would always be working on the idea of panels right um, and those that information is passed on over a period of 
say one month, three months, six months, that kind of a lead cycles. And then you use a lot of that for planning for the next um, cycle. Now, on the other hand, there is basically, um, you know, the other brand, which is say a digital first brand. And these are, of course, the app first brands or say the mobile websites, etc., which really have a lot of consumer data. Consumers are day in and day out, either on the app or um, every, you know, with a high frequency, they are actually engaging with um, the apps, so on and so forth. And they do have a bunch of um, uh, insights around the fact that uh, when do people come online? What does happen from one stage of the funnel to the other? How, uh, you know, how much of a chances are there if someone is at a certain stage versus at a certain stage, uh, so on and so forth. So a bunch of insights available, but then they do not really know uh, if, you know, this particular user, what are they doing outside of the apps, right? What is their general brand affinity? Uh, say an Amazon person could actually be a person who is also, um, you know, shopping on some of the most luxury apps out there or some of the most, uh, you know, uh, luxury brand uh, outlets. So, in both cases, there is actually a need to tie real-time consumer intelligence with whatever is available with them, right? right. And that's where Immobi Pulse has come into the light to say that there is this always on primary device of consumers. And it is, it is something that is really at such a scale that um, you always have statistically sound and great insights that could be made available either through passive or stated data. Right. So that's basically um, the key reason why we thought that, you know, Immobi Pulse would work. And secondly, the idea is also that, like I was mentioning, there is definitely the idea that people are used to watching ads, etc. Um, and therefore, if we were to able to use the programmatic ecosystem um, to then just serve a survey instead of just doing, uh, you know, ads, we would be able to actually get a lot of responses. And that's worked really well for us. Right. And that's where what brands can do is one, use Pulse to, first of all, look at the fact that if they are, for instance, trying to just understand consumer insights. And this is something that we as Inmobi uh, provide to a lot of brands for free every year, which is the fact that we just survey a bunch of um, consumers across APAC and help them understand when will people, you know, basically buy, how much will they spend? When do they start planning versus when do they plan to buy? Uh, what are the top categories they will spend on? Which are the locations where people are planning in a certain fashion, so on and so forth, right? And all of this really gives people a broader view of consumer sentiment, consumer preferences, so on and so forth when it comes to the festive season. The other two pieces that people can do when it comes to Inmobi Pulse is firstly the fact that if a brand, you know, for instance, like I was talking about conventional brands, which have no consumer connect, they can actually do a two layered thing of first up doing a very quantitative study to say that, okay, what is basically say my uh, brand perception today within the market, or what is basically the preference of people in my category within the market. And at the same time, do a lot of qualitative uh, pieces on top of that. Uh, to say that so the first one is more percentage right saying okay these many percentage of people these many um, you know uh, across um, male female so on and so forth the second one is actually to say help people help get from people themselves as to why are they doing something uh, you know why are they not preferring their brand reasons into all of that what right. would really make them uh, choose their brand what would really make them switch brands so on and so forth 
and then marry a lot of these quantitative qualitative pieces to build the right kind of strategy marketing etc the second bit is that for either you know be it online brand or offline brands all of them what they can really do is look into their first party data look into maybe you know a data that they have got through some other form and basically figure out how to build look alike audiences in the virtual world because while as a brand they might be targeting a certain kind of uh, persona those persona like i'm mentioning today are actually a, across a bunch of apps and right. those guys have a bunch of other um, online preferences that is not visible to them so therefore how do they actually use a lot of um, the online data to build look alike audiences and then uh, you know scale them up target millions and millions and be able to uh, drive awareness preference uh, consideration um, and then acquisition so on and so forth right and the second bit right the last bit that they can actually do is to also basically just make sure that when it comes to the efficacy of their media itself whatever they are doing either in terms of a campaign um they can really do a lot of in flight optimizations with it by saying that conventionally what happens is in uh, the research field you would say do a digital campaign on youtube for instance and you have to spend a minimum of 10000 usd and then you get that one question that you can ask the audience so that you can understand what's the brand lift of your particular you know uh, campaign or also if you were to hire a third party suppose you did something on uh, a, a random app and then you wanted to hire a third party the first thing that would happen is the third party would actually try to ask some qualification questions on websites so it would first say are you male are you in a certain age group so on and so forth and that qualification itself leads to so much of a drop off so it will be almost a 60 70% drop off right and then there are the follow up questions that you ask to establish if you basically if they have seen the ad if there has been a brand lift and that leads to such inefficient ways of actually measuring brand lift right mm -hmm. what happens with the uh, you know pulse product is just the fact that because you've been using a very constant id in terms of advertising id um you can actually easily know which particular user was not served an ad that becomes your control group and you easily know who have seen your ad and that becomes your exposed group and then you immediately launch you can actually do it even at minimum spend suppose you've done the campaign for just a week you've done it maybe just for two weeks then you do this very dipstick kind of uh, survey you just ask that one question you, you realize that it's not working you can immediately change messaging you can change creative you can even try to figure out if you know uh, outside of the ab testing results itself in terms of ctrs etc you can explicitly ask people and marry the ctrs to say that hey i'm seeing great clicks and people are also saying that they recall this particular ad and they find this ad engaging hence i'll go with this ad and scale it even better so all of these in flight optimizations on your media um really makes it a lot more efficient and uh, you know drives efficacy overall so that's how i think a lot of value is being seen with imobi pulse today absolutely absolutely and for our listeners today um, um rajesh has completely broken down okay i'll do this part again so sorry
Absolutely, Rajesh. And um, um, I think for the listeners today, Rajesh has completely broken down the different aspects of um, how you can run ads and how you can better optimize the entire process through in Pulse. So do, do feel free to check out uh, their platform. And um, of course, you can get in touch with Rajesh and his team. Um, I'll, I'll leave his uh, uh, LinkedIn uh, account details in the, in, in the show notes for our users to get in touch with. Um, and you can, of course, reach out to and uh, request a demo as well on Inmobi. So Rajesh, before we wrap up, uh, we like to do this uh, a round of quick fire questions uh, with our guests to get to know them better and to provide some, some morsels of inspiration for our listeners. Uh, so ready if you are. Yeah, definitely. Only thing I'd say is like uh, Mohammed Azuruddin once said to Shahid Afridi, for a time they could have nothing. So <laughs> just say that. Okay. Uh, so the first question, um, the first question is, do you have like a memorable holiday marketing or a festive season ad? It can be from any brand, any geo. Um, it can be from brands outside India as well. So do you have like one particular ad which has stuck with you uh, for a long, long time? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I think uh, the idea of that, uh, you know, Jaipur uh, tourism uh, ad, uh, that really, you know, uh, stuck with me a long, long time. It uh, basically is something that uh, calls out that um, everybody has a POB of uh, holidaying, everybody has a POB of um, enjoying, you know, their own personal time. And Jaipur is able to provide you with all the POVs that you have. Um, and that, yeah, I mean, of course, the legendary Piyush Pandey had basically conceptualized it. And uh, that's something that has really stuck with me for a long, long time. And it's uh, something I see a lot of brands trying to emulate. Um, yeah, that, that's something that is really one of my favorites. Awesome. Awesome. So is, if, if there is a product um, that you would like to um, you know, market, especially for the holiday season, what would that be and why? Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'd probably, um, you know, pick up something that's uh, very, very uh, contextual around this particular uh, uh, holiday season. And that one product that I would basically want to sell is, uh, it, it's something that doesn't exist. But what I would love to see this product come through is um, a meta OTT subscription okay. that really helps me um, take one subscription and then uh, depending on which OTT platform I want to really consume, uh, you know, in that week, on that day, just end up basically figuring out how to use credits and uh, consume over there. So that's one, maybe it's there out in the future, but that's one product that I would love to really see coming out and then market that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you have given pretty good reasoning behind it as well, why you would like to do that. Um, <laughs> so uh, the last question then, um, Rajesh, which is, uh, um, we hope for things to get back to normalcy as soon as possible. And we hope that the third wave does not affect us during the holiday season as much, rather does not affect us at all. Um, but having all of these things considered, um, is there any destination that you would like to get off your bucket list for this holiday season or what are your plans around the holiday season upcoming holiday season 2021? Yeah, I think uh, I, I did mention briefly about uh, what is the most likely piece that's going to happen around holiday season. And I also believe uh, that's going to be one, which is the entire staycation bit. Right. Um, and, and I'm really looking like I'm in Bengaluru, which is, um, you know, one of the, I think, uh, you know, really great weekend, uh, uh, you know, staycation uh, epicenters. 
Right. Uh, because from here you can actually just go to anywhere and everywhere, um, and with so many options, I'm I'm sure that there wouldn't be a dearth, uh, even with the surge uh, during this festive season. And so, um, yeah, no uh, real place yet in mind, but uh, uh, very typical of how the uh, impulsive piece I was talking about. But yeah, yeah uh, more closer uh, to the festive season, I'll probably have something in mind. Right, right, right. I think, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are a lot of locations from Bangalore around, like, Sakleshpur is pretty good and uh, it's it's like a little uh, off track, but uh, recently there has been a lot of interest from tourists, uh, especially given the pandemic, people can't leave their own states. So, good luck, good luck for that. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you have a great time there. Um, and, and um, yeah, I, I think you've uh, pretty much... Uh, pretty much knocked it out of the park with all these questions. So, um, you know, Azharuddin can rest easy, I guess. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot, Rajesh. Thank, thank you so much for joining us today, Rajesh, and sharing such wonderful insights and expert, uh, you know, tips on how people can get prepared for the holiday season uh, 2021 in terms of uh, marketing, in terms of communication, in terms of ad spends, and how they can structure the entire thing. I uh, it, it was really a pleasure hosting you, and I hope the, the session was as interesting for you as it was for me. No, definitely. I think uh, definitely a lot of interesting questions. And secondly, uh, I just loved, uh, you know, a bunch of the uh, summaries that you actually brought out at the end of every question that I think is definitely very useful for the listeners. And ultimately, I think it's a very opportune time right now to just talk about this and uh, help people understand as much as possible about what's really changing out there in the ecosystem and what needs to be done in terms of planning. So very, very great uh, session for me as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just doubling down on what you mentioned there, uh, Rajesh, you know, we, we, we plan to have this series of uh, uh, series of podcast episodes starting kicking off with yours, uh, where we will invite experts like you and talk about holiday season 2021 and what it looks like and uh, what marketers can do. I think we uh, we have like a good good two months to go before the actual uh, um, actual things start and, and we are in the middle of a very busy season. Um, so hope that really helps and uh, definitely uh, opinions and advices and suggestions like yours do add value to our listeners and our community of marketers and product owners. Uh, that's it from me and Rajesh. Um, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. And for the rest of the folks, um, take care, stay safe, um, and uh, see you on the next episode. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care.